Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. And just seeing the, the heart of deliverance of God, and I've enjoyed the Exodus. Um, I don't know, maybe that's one of your all's favorite accounts in Scripture, I don't know. Maybe there, that, that's an all-time favorite account in Scripture is the Exodus, but it's, it's one of my top to read, and it's encouraging. And so, uh, chapter 8, and we'll read verse 1. And um, we'll probably read, read the probably 15 verses. That's this next plague that we'll be diving into. And um, we had talked about last week, uh, the message uh, was about how the battle began. And uh, how God had prepared His vessels. Um, we know there was instruments for God's glory and purposes. There was an instrument we know as Pharaoh was an instrument for God's glory. We know that Moses and Aaron were also two vessels for his glory. And uh, we saw God beginning battle against the idols uh, of Egypt. And uh, to see him to be seen as preeminent and all-powerful. Uh, to get honor from Pharaoh and Egypt for them to see God as Lord and preeminent. And then for his own children to see that the idols that they've started to accept, they need to unaccept because the Lord that chose them as a nation for himself, is greater than those idols of Egypt as well. So we, he began the battle. We know that um, uh, Aaron's rod turned into a serpent, and the magicians and the sorcerers did the same thing. We know Aaron's, that serpent ate the others. It was a preeminent thing for God. We know that God um, um, uh, changed the uh, Nile River and the waters there, uh, any basin uh, in that land, into blood. So much they had to dig around the Nile River. You know, they had a God of the Nile that provided that water source. And God just took care of that false idol as well. But you're going to find even up till this point, uh, Pharaoh's mocking God's power. Um, he's not quite got honor yet. Uh, but I'll say this, um, God will. God will. And uh, so we're picking up here in chapter 8, uh, the plague of frogs. And, and, the, and the, I think one of the big points of last week was this, is that God uses every one of His children any age and has a purpose for their life as long as they're living. And that was, I think, a great encouragement to us all because Moses and Aaron were, Moses was 80 and, and Aaron was 83 and they were just entering into their purpose for God and, or, the great, or their calling, if you will, on their lives. So... Um, I pray that was something you took away from last week and kept on serving for the Lord, knowing God's got purpose for you. But tonight, we're going to be looking at another thought. Um, we see God's sovereignty in man's prayers. And I'm telling you, this is encouraging for me, and I hope it's encouraging uh, for you. So verse 1, uh, chapter 8, let's begin here. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, 
And I will smite all thy borders with frogs. Um, And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber. Anybody want to be in this situation? (laughs) Nobody in their right mind would want to be in this situation. Um, And I'll just say this before I keep reading. I I can't... I can't keep remembering Brother Yolanda Price's message on this. Anybody remember that? Another Night with the Frogs. That was the title. I remember it like it was yesterday. But uh, anyway, uh, there's some humor here, and God's got a sense of humor as well, but with great purpose. Let's keep reading. Um, Into thy bedchamber, upon thy bed, and into thy house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens. Uh, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments, And brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. Uh, When shall I entreat for thee? And for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thine houses, that they may remain in the river only. And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be a word that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses, from thy servants, from thy people, and they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh. And Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which uh, he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite... Um, He hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Let's pray. Father, I I, I need you once again. My mind is feeble. My my words are weak. Um, Lord, it it takes your power to take my feeble language um, and preach in a way that you can receive glory and your people can be edified and encouraged. Tonight, we want to praise and worship and glory in your sovereignty and its relationship to our prayers. What a beautiful thing. Um, Father, I I pray we can see that picture clearly tonight through this message. Help us. Um, I I pray tonight that we will leave differently than the way that we came in. And Father, you're completely in control. And Father, you've also given us a gift of prayer. And we're going to see... How beautifully those things fit together. And so, Father, guide us. I need your help. We all need your spirit tonight. I pray you, we give you liberty to move. We respond in a way you'd have us to respond for your glory and for your purposes. And I pray all of this in Christ's name. 
Amen. Amen. God's sovereignty and man's prayers. You know, what I love about um, Exodus, and not just Exodus, but a lot of other accounts in Scripture, um, is that there's, there's the situations where you, you've got God's people, you've got God's children, you've got the Christian, and they go up against, if you will, a circumstance, and some, in one story, a giant, in one story, a great city, um, other stories, there's, there's oftentimes something Christians go against, or you may say the odds are stacked against them. Have you ever watched a movie, or a show, or you've read a book, and you're like, there's no way that, that guy, or that family, or that woman is going to come out on top in this situation, because everything's stacked against them. Anybody ever watched or read or seen situations like that? You may even have experienced situations like that. You, you say, there's just no way out of this. I cannot be victorious. And that's what I love about accounts like this. Um, is to understand that we may see, and this is how we perceive it, here's this giant of a situation coming against me. Uh, it's stacked up against me. But when you come to accounts like the Exodus... You come to the accounts like Caleb and his, and his 300 men. You come to accounts like David and Goliath. You come up to those moments in Scripture. And you really see that nothing is stacked against you. It's stacked against God. And God has brought that to pass because God is preeminent over all things. And, and that is a beautiful thing. Uh, as Jesus even told his apostles, they're not against you. And they don't hate you because of you, but they hate you or they'll persecute you because of me. And so that's, that's the object of the world's wrath and, and anger and, you know, uh, the, the bullets that's flying towards you. They're really flying at God. And we see that in our world, even in our nation, even close to home. And uh, so now there's times when you're going to think that, you know, this situation's going on, there's a financial crisis. Just maybe something going on in your marriage, or there's a wayward child, or there's trouble at work, and it just seems just to be a paramount situation for you. And there's maybe times, I don't know about you, but you may say, I just, I just don't even think prayer is going to help me. I just, I just, I have prayed, and I pray. just don't think it's just going to work. And maybe you even quit praying. Maybe even you quit praying, I don't know. None of us are beyond having that. We begin to develop that false narrative in our mind that I'm just going to stop praying because nothing's happening. Everything seems to be stacked up against me. I continue to seem to be failing. I can't climb that mountain. But what I want us to see tonight, that we serve a God that is sovereign over all things. Amen. If, if, if you tonight say that God is not sovereign over all things, you'll lose your own soul tonight. Because without the sovereignty of God, there is no security in salvation. There is no security in the promises of God because He is nothing different than you and I are. He must be that kind of God, and that's what the Bible says He is. But here's the amazing thing. Those that belong to God and that are commanded to pray are praying to a sovereign God. That should excite you tonight. And what you're going to see is that played out in this pattern. You're going to see that all through these plagues. But he spends uh, quite a bit of time here with the frogs. All right? And so we want to give this, I think, as much just, justifying time as we can in the time allotted. So 
Let's dive in. Just a couple thoughts tonight, all right? That I want you to be encouraged of who God is as a sovereign God and how that works in harmony with your prayers. That may seem perplexing. may seem, how does that work? But understand this, it does work. Look at, I want you to see number one, if you're taking notes, we see the fate of a nation belongs to God. The fate of a nation belongs to God. The nation I'm talking about here is Egypt. And I'll even say this as well, we see the nation of Israel. You know, their fate belongs to God as well. But here we find the, the, the plague of frogs here is coming to the land of Egypt and against Pharaoh. Now, when we talk about the fate of a nation belonging to God, I want to first point you to this. Is that God's words are more powerful. God's words are more powerful. Alright? Now, I want, to, I want to give you just a snapshot of how things progress in all these plagues. Alright? So bear with me. I want to build here. So if you'll notice, you're going to find that the plague first is threatened. All right, so you'll find in verse 1 that, that he speaks to Moses, go to Pharaoh, saying to him, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse, all right, here's the if-then proposition. If you don't let my people go, here's what's going to happen. And so the plague is now threatened upon Pharaoh. Then you find Pharaoh, you know, his heart is hardened, and then the plague gets implemented, Right? We saw the plague of the, the, the waters turned to blood. We see that, that happening there. And then we see the plague is imitated. Pharaoh gets his sorcerers and his magicians and they, they imitate some of these, right? They've done it so far. And then we see the plague is removed. That doesn't happen in all those plagues. This, is not a, this, is not a, uh, this doesn't happen in all of them. You'll find... The third one, we see here the plague of frogs, can be imitated, all right, to a certain degree. Um, but you'll find that they cannot remove the frogs, okay? You'll find from the fourth one on, no other plague you'll find can be imitated by the sorcerers and the magicians. God is slowly, and I say mercifully, showing this wicked, depraved king of Egypt, his people, who he is. God could have brought the death angel day one, but he didn't, right? So God is even gracious and merciful to someone that will never put his faith, as we know, in the Lord. So he's even merciful to him. God knows who he is, which is Pharaoh. So, you know, God, we find slowly is being merciful in these plagues. But that's what's happening. All plagues are removed except one. And that's the plague of the death angel. Death came in, and, and that death angel took the life of the firstborn of all, all uh, we find those that didn't have the blood applied, and of the, of the creatures as well, and that could not be removed. What you're finding here is this. Pharaoh, now, now listen, Moses and Aaron are going up against the man that has a lot of power in his words, right? He's what we would say the government of the day, right? We can get this in perspective for us. Because we see a lot of times that, you know, the fate of our country is in the voice of kings, in the voice of presidents, in the voice of politicians, in the voice of those people. But folks, that's not where the fate of the country belongs. Amen? Can I get a witness on that? Praise God for that. And what you're going to see here is God illustrates that. 
God is over government. He instituted government. The reason there is a kingship even in Egypt because God allowed those governments to be. And so we find slowly through the plagues, the Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the sorcerers and all the Egyptians begin to see that Pharaoh's voice, his words, are not the most powerful words in the land. Amen? But the one that has the power of word is God. Let's go back to Genesis and you find that God spoke things into existence. Amen? You're going to find, we're not going to get into the next plague, but you're going to see the word of God doing something again. God's word is the most powerful word. If Egypt is, is, if there's any salvation for any nation, it's in the Lord. All right? It's in the words of the, so notice this. Don't take my word for it. Notice what verse 1 says. All right? And the Lord spake unto Moses, going to Pharaoh, saying to him, Thus saith who? The Lord. God is in control. God sets the stipulation to Pharaoh. You don't do this, I will do this. God is preeminent. And can I just say this tonight? Let us never be arrogant to the, to, to the thought of that my words are more powerful than God. You know, I'm thankful for that. Sometimes we will, we will uh, speak our minds in a way of thinking. Uh, we will, our, our words just become almost enemies to ourselves. But I'm thankful that God's words is more powerful than mine. Amen? That God's words can be, is the most powerful words in my life if I will heed myself uh, to them. So God, we find God is in control every step of the way. Even in God answering Moses' prayer. All right? God a- answering Moses' prayer. God's words are the most powerful. And what this is, we find this as a direct assault on Pharaoh. Now, what I want us to see here now, the fate of the nation belongs to God. We see God's words are more powerful. We see his sovereignty in his words and in his person in that sense. And God's words and his power is, we're going to find this. We see secondly, God's words lead us to worship. Look at verse 1. God speaks his words. Thus saith the Lord, and he gives this instruction. Why? Because he wants his people to be in a land that's fit for their worship. He wants them to worship him. This whole book, my dear friend tonight, is God's word. Would you agree? Agree. All right. This is the, the, the this is a translation of the inspired word of God for us to understand that this book, God's words, is to lead our hearts to and worship him in spirit and in truth. And in here we find God is speaking up and giving this stipulation because he wants worship from his people all right that's always the request from God now let me tell you something about worship where God's words is leading the nation of Israel okay Uh, we find in chapter 4 and verse 23 that's when the first time that God introduces this to Moses in chapter 4 and verse 23 and I say to thee let my son go and that's talking about Israel that he may serve me, and if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. And that's a reflection of the plague that's going to happen at the very end. But here's the first time we see the purpose of letting the people go, which was to uh, worship God. Now, if you go to chapter 5 and verse 1, notice this. 
Notice this, chapter 5, verse 1. And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Look at chapter 7 and verse 16. Now shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. And then we read it in chapter 8. And so what is God doing? God, the, the fate of the nation is in the Lord's hands. And we find here that God in His sovereignty is saying, Let my people go. Alright? And I want them to be let go for them to worship me. Now what you've seen in chapter 5 and verse 1 is that a worshiping God is really almost like in a celebration kind of worship. Uh, they said a, a festival or a feast. But then you find in the other chapters that they said, Let my people go that they may serve me. Sometimes we think worship is just being here. But worship is also the collective the broader context, if you will, of worshiping God is in serving Him. You know, I'll go as far as to bring the Testament, Colossians 3.17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And all that we do, do it for the glory of God. Amen? So if, if you're at home and you're sewing a quilt, what's Colossians say? Do it for the glory of God and give thanks as you do it. If you're out there tilling your garden, uh, give thanks and do it for the glory of God. You may go to the gym every day to take care of your temple in a way you feel like you need to. That, in a sense, if you're doing it for the glory of God, that in itself is worshiping the Lord. David said, Lord, prepare my hands for battle. And I think even in that you'll find that the Israelites were worshiping God in the battles that he had them to fight. Worshiping God is in all things that you do for God. It's not just in the local sense. I think this is the primary sense of worship is here. But in all things, your vessel is to worship God in all that you do. Amen? And so we find the fate of a nation to not be destroyed is to allow a people to worship God. And one thing that really, we got a little bit of a taste, whether you agree with this or not, of being, you know, set out of our churches. And there's some churches that, I don't know, they still may be fighting fines and can't return. We don't have that issue. Thank God that we're here tonight. Amen? And there's some governments, you talked to Brother Steve, they can't even, I mean, he can't even get back over there. I mean, there's, there's, there's governmental power there. But again, they're not the ultimate sovereign over any piece of land or a people. Amen? God is completely, 100% sovereign. And that's what we need to see here. Pharaoh may seem like the sovereign of Egypt, but God is sovereign over all creation. And so he's like, I want my people to be let go so they may worship. Worship is collectively a celebration and also in service. Now let me give you this. This is a funny point in wording it this way. But we find the fate of a nation belongs to God. We see God's word frogged the nation. And now why do I word it that way? Because it's a little humorous. I mean, think about it. Think about this. Of all things that God could have used to, to fight against Pharaoh, he chose frogs. Well, that, that, would never, that would not have been anybody's first choice tonight. wouldn't have been mine. I thought of something like B 
bigger, more powerful, that would inflict a lot more pain. You know, if I was wanting, he said, I'm going to raise up some toads, some croakers, if you will, uh, some, some frogs. Now, there's purpose. I mean, God, I think, has a sense of humor, but he knows exactly the kind of idols the Egyptians worship, too. All right? And so he's battling those in particular. So why do you use frogs? Well, as I've already said, I believe that God was wanting them to see that their idol, that frog idol. See, their, their idol that's in the shape of a sitting frog was the idol worshipped for um, fertility. It was the fertility idol. And so they, you know, to, to have fertility and rear children and, and all that, that was their idol. That's one they sought. Okay? So you can picture this idol, you know, on their shelf, around the palace, this sitting big fat frog. This picture of fertility. All right? Now let's go back a little bit and rewind. Was it not Egypt and the Pharaoh of that day that attacked the fertility of God's people? Why did Moses have to be put in an ark and put in the river? Because there were some babies being murdered. Right? You see, sometimes a nation thinks that they have, that they are preeminent over what is considered life or valuable life. Right? Are you all with me? But God is going to show them real clearly is that He's going to show them that I am the preeminent sovereign over what is life and what is not uh, to protect life. One Pharaoh killed a lot of baby boys, and, and, and we find Moses had saved through an ark down the river, you know, and Pharaoh's uh, daughter found him. Except you all, we've all been there. We've all read that already. But right now, he's going to say, I am the one that is the God of fertility. You know, the, the, the only reason tonight that my baby boy is in existence is because that God is sovereign over that. Amen? It's the only reason. It's the only reason. And so God is proving that to them. Life doesn't come from a stone or a statue. It comes from a living, sovereign God of heaven. Amen? Amen and amen to that. So God was showing them that. And I would have to say this too. I think God is showing them that He can take the most small, insignificant creature and make the biggest impact in their life. That they, you're going to find in a minute, Pharaoh changes his tune a little bit. But you'll find that God took something of, of, of a small size to defeat the strongest person in the known world at that time. And that was a frog. I mean, you look at a frog, it don't look very powerful, does it? No, not at all. Maybe you've got some frog lovers, I don't know. May they love frogs. But they're not, they're not powerful. But here's, here is the thing about God. Because of God, of who He is, and then He is sovereign over all things, He can take such a creature and, 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 and bring a, a, a king or a pharaoh to his knees if He wants to. Now, I'm thankful that God can do that. Amen? God can direct a nation with a frog. <laughs> so that is what God is doing. Now let me just say this. Here's some, here, here's some application for you. Never underestimate your size, of your talent, your gift, who you are. Never underestimate tonight of the size of your talent, of who, of who you are tonight. Because we find here, if God can take a frog and defeat a pharaoh, God can take you and do his work through you. 
Can I get an amen? God can do that. I think of David and Goliath. I think about the feeding of the 5,000. I think about Caleb's army. I think about the early church. Jesus took a bunch of doubters, right? And, and forsakers. I mean, you read the story. We're going to see, you know, beginnings of that in Wednesday nights as well in a different way. But he can take some of the most vilest people and use them for his glory. Why? Because God is a sovereign God. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. What you find here is notice, notice the imitation. Remember, God's, the fate of this nation is in the hands of God. Notice the imitation. We've already read it, but it says he got his magicians together in verse 7 with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Did that fix the problem? It's, men are so dumb. I mean, let's just be honest tonight. They come, oh yeah, we can create some frogs too. We'll show God. All they did was add to the frogs that were already there. Now, is that dumb or smart? Now, isn't that just about like man? Well, I'll show God. I'll, I'll fix this. I'll, I'll, I'll get myself out of this hole. And you just dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's all they did. They could not remove the frogs at all. All they did was bring more frogs in. And that's what we deserve when we try to do that as Christians today. Amen? The fate of whether frogs are removed or not in their context was in the hands of God. For you to, for you to climb out of your mess that you've created in your life, you better turn to the only hands that has the power to do it, and that's the sovereign God of heaven. Amen? I've seen Christians think that I've, you know, I'm in this hole, but I think if I just, by all my own might, I'll just keep digging my way out. No, you... you it's just like you in quicksand. The quicker you move and rely on your own fast movement is the quicker you're going to sink. Someone outside of you is going to have to help you out of there or you're going down, right? And so that's what we see here in this picture for us uh, tonight, all right? And uh, let me ask you this question. I'm going to move on. Has God ever taken something very simple? And fixed, according to you, a larger-than-life problem. And you just sat back and, man, I worried for nothing. God just fixed it. You know, God just, God just took care of it. When I didn't think it could happen, I just thought this was too big for me. The fate of all things lies in the hands of God tonight. I want you to understand that before the next part's going to make sense. Before it's going to be a, a beautiful ending to this thing. All right? So we see that. So as big as God's sovereign power is, I want you to notice secondly and finally tonight that it connects to your prayers. It connects to your prayers. Now what happens? All right, so number two, all right, the fate of a nation is influenced by God's people. So notice, what I'll show you what I'm talking about, all right? You'll find that the frogs came. They couldn't remove the frogs. What did Pharaoh do in verse 8? There was a time Pharaoh said, I don't, who is the Lord? Right? I don't know him. Mocking him. But look at verse 8. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat who? <laughs> the Lord. The real sovereign. The real king. Right? That he may take away what? The frogs, the issue, the, the plague. 
from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. All right? Unto the Lord. Now, so first of all, I want you to see this as we look at how these are connected. God's sovereignty and man's prayer. God's sovereignty and man's prayer. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to stand here tonight and tell you I understand all of God's sovereignty. I don't. And neither will you. What I know is that the Bible tells me that that's who God is. God is sovereign over all things. That's who God is. And then some people may say this, well, you know... If God, if, if the Bible says God is sovereign to that extent, I'm just not going to pray. Why should I pray? You ever thought about that? If God's sovereign and it's just going to be the way it is, I'm just not going to pray. I'm just not, I'm, why read my Bible? It's just going to be what it is. God's sovereign, right? Have you, am I the only one that's, that's ever crossed my mind? Am I, the, am I the only mind that's ever crossed? Here's the thing. Sometimes in Scripture, there's even tensions. Even this, it seems like there's a tension. How in the world can God, being sovereign over all things, and Him being that powerful of a God, but then say that, that, that we are to pray? How? There seems to be tension there. There seems to be something perplexing. And here's a beautiful thing. That what seems to be perplexing to you and me, what seems to be tension to you and me, there's no tension in perplexing in God's mind. Amen? I don't have to understand how the background in God's sovereignty is working out all things. I don't have to understand that to know that it works in and through my prayers. That just don't make sense to me, but that is God. God is the sovereign king, and that's how he wants things to be done. Amen? And that's the wonderful thing. It is, it, it, we don't deserve that opportunity to be able to approach him and to pray and petition. But we find here, what was the only way the frogs were going to be taken care of? Is that God's people, Moses and Aaron, approach their sovereign God and say, remove the frogs. Right? Now, does that mean Moses' prayer interrupted God's sovereign plan? No. God knew exactly Moses would come and pray that prayer. God's, God's plan is always working out seamlessly. And so Moses came obedient and he prayed to the Lord and said remove the frogs right that is a that is an awesome thing that is what is happening here all right real power is not in the hands of kings and politicians it's in the one you pray to so don't think of God's sovereignty as an excuse not to pray because look at how this goes down Moses prays and God answers the prayer. God has chosen in His great mind to work out all His will and all His plan and through His people's prayers. Through His people's lives, the Christian life, and through, through your living for the Lord. He is, men are still God's method. Amen? So I want, I want to encourage you not to see that very thing. So here's my encouragement. Keep on praying. Prayers are not wasted. Christ, the, the, the apostles come to Jesus Christ. He said, Christ, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus himself prayed, right? 
You're going to see prayer all through Scripture. Why? Because God works His sovereign plan through the prayers of His people, through His people in this world. Amen? The walls of Jericho could have just fell down. God could have just took them down. That was His plan, right? But he chose to use Joshua and the children of Israel and, and what he told them to do and lift up their voice in worship and the walls came tumbling down. The fact that God is a sovereign king encourages me to pray to him. That's how God works out his plans and his will. Does that not excite you tonight? That's how God set it up. So folks, keep praying. Keep living for uh, the Lord. Keep studying. Remain faithful. Keep walking in the Spirit. Keep depending on God. Keep conforming to the image of God. Keep renewing your mind in the mind of Christ. Because your life, God uses to fulfill His sovereign will. Amen? That's why as a pastor, it breaks my heart to those that profess as Christians to walk away when they have the privilege and the honor to be able to be a part of how God working out His will and purposes through their life. Folks, that is a joyful thing. That's something to rejoice about. That's something just to shout about and run around the church a few times about. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that privilege. God had been a lot better off probably to choose angels to do it. But God chose to funnel His sovereign plan through your life and what He's commanded you to do as His child. Moses did that very thing. Now, we got one little caveat here, and we're going to end. All right? I want you to see this. So Moses told Pharaoh, he said, listen, glory over me in verse 9. What he means by this, you know, Pharaoh, uh, I'll give you the honor and the privilege of determining when you want me to petition God. That's what he meant by glory over me. I'll give you the honor to be able to determine when I pray to God and him, and him remove the frogs. And what did Pharaoh say? Let's do it tomorrow. Now, there's men take different perspectives on this, and that's fine. Maybe none of them is wrong, but here's my thinking on, on this. You can take it or leave it. The entire nation, the entire land of Egypt is covered with frogs, right? In their beds, in their bowls, every, even on them. They're, they're sticking to them. They're all over them. Now, let's be logical. Do you think one day that all those can be removed? Humanly speaking, no. I think Pharaoh was being very sneaky and conniving because, listen, God's one-upping him as sovereign. He's like, I'll, tell you, I'll just give God a day. I'll give God a day, and I'll show how weak he really is. He can't remove all these frogs. Well, Pharaoh should have considered a caveat here, because God never promised Pharaoh that he would put all of those frogs back in the river. <laughs> all God promised was is that the frogs that are in the river will stay in the river. And God promised this. He said, now I'll remove the frogs from your house, from your servants, and I'll bring them out of your homes. I'll do that. But he never promised to put them back in the river. You know what he did? What God, what, what God needs to do to those that have idols in their life and God is not their master and lord of their life is allow them to see how stinking their idol really is. And that's my last point tonight. Man's idolatry stinks. All right? 
Man's idolatry stinks. And so we find, we find here that they had to get down and dirty and, and take all these frogs and pile them up on heaps. And it stunk. And I'm telling you here tonight, idolatry stinks in the nostrils of God. Idolatry is a mockery to God. I'll say this tonight, there should be no circumstance in your life that should ever sway you to put faith and trust in some other idol or some other quote-unquote sovereign in your life. God is saying, I'm the only sovereign. I'm the only sovereign. If I'm going to deliver you, if I'm going to deliver your home, your community, your nation, uh, if, if there's any deliverance, I hand that's going to do it. In idolatry, sometimes you need to see how much it stinks. And that's what God was doing for them. He wanted that stench, I think, to stay in the nostrils of his people when they did exit, exit Egypt. Remember the stench of frogs. As they would leave. Because they didn't quite get all of the idolatry out of their hearts. So they had to personally remove the dead carcasses from there. Idolatry will always bring disappointment and death. So no level of idolatry can ever equal the power of our sovereign God of heaven. And so what I want to leave with you is this. This big picture is is this is that whatever you face in life, whether what trouble, what circumstance, I don't know what you may be going through, it may be your health, you, you, may, um, you may just feel like your life's sort of out of control, you may be like, well, my body's just not doing what I want it to do like it used to do, and, you know, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on, maybe it's a family situation, maybe you're, you're at a point, I've tried everything and nothing's working, you know, you feel utterly powerless. What I want you to see is that if you're born again, you belong to the sovereign God of heaven. That's not sovereign over a few things, and the devil is sovereign over the rest. But God is sovereign, sovereign over all things. Whether that, whether that can fit in your mind or not, thank God it fits in God's mind. Amen? And it's forever settled in heaven. And that is the God that you belong to through faith in Christ. And the Bible says that we, through Christ, as our mediator, can approach the prayer chamber of God, the throne room of God, humbly and boldly and petition Him. So can I, can I encourage you? Keep praying about the situation. Keep praying about your wayward child. Keep praying about your finances. Keep praying about whatever it is you're praying about. Because the God of heaven hears the prayers of His children. Amen? There's nothing he doesn't see. There's nothing that he doesn't hear from you. Thank God for who God is. In fact, that that's the God I pray to. And in my prayers, and in my life, I have the honor and the privilege for the sovereign God to work out his sovereign plan through my life and through your life. Stay in God's word. Stay on your knees. Stay in church and worship. Teach your children. God wants to use your family. If you're just a family of two or a family of one, that's your family God wants to use tonight. Amen? So I pray tonight that you will see how much of a blessing God and His sovereignty is and that your prayers 
are connected beautifully to his sovereignty. So be encouraged tonight, dear Christian, in that very truth. Maybe tonight you need to be on bended knee and say, Lord, just refresh to me that, that my prayers, I need to pray in confidence because of you are a sovereign God. That I don't need to be doubtful in my prayers. Why? Because God, you are a sovereign God. We have confidence. Why? Because God is a sovereign God. So tonight, I pray, maybe your heart needs to be more in tune and live in the reality that God is who He is. And God is one that we can pray to with confidence. Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to have an invitation. Ever so quietly, please. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know how God's used this message. I really don't. But I would, I would like to think that it, at the least, that it would have it led your heart, this truth in Scripture, to just say, thank you, Lord. Maybe tonight you need to say, God, renew to me this perspective, this biblical truth about your person in relationship to my prayers in my life. Are you trusting God tonight where you're at and what you're going through? Surrender tonight because Jesus' burden is, is, is light. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, beautiful truth about your sovereignty and its relationship to our prayers and our living for you. It don't fully make sense to me, but I'm thankful it works the way it does. And you're in control of that. So tonight I pray a heart's been renewed. I pray tonight that a heart's been drawn closer to you and maybe been encouraged to continue praying. That's what we need tonight is praying Christians. And so tonight if there be someone lost and they don't know you through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray tonight if you're drawing them to yourself that they would come and surrender a believing faith, confess their unbelief, and confess a believing faith alone in Christ alone. And you tell us in your word, we are born again that moment of faith. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.